What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Track Podcast. For the month of January, we are posting an episode every single day at 6 a.m. Central Time. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the Budget Track Podcast. That would be very much appreciated. And before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Social X is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek podcast, and today I have a very special guest, he is a U.S. veteran, the host of the Ever Forward Radio podcast, and an Ever Forward coach, Mr. Chase Chuny. Chase, what's going on, man? Uh, doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. I love being on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, thanks for coming on, my man. So I kind of want to give a brief breakdown of what Budget Trek's about. We briefly talked about it before we started recording, but it started out as me and my wife getting out of debt, reaching financial freedom, and I wanted to document that journey because you know, struggles and successes along that journey are pretty prevalent in the minds of other people's on their own journey. But as I went through that, I thought struggles need to be glorified because everyone has struggles in their entrepreneurial journey, just journey period through life. Everyone has struggles. And I think people start to resonate with those struggles when they figure out that someone is going through something that they're going through. So I started talking about that and then I figured, okay, I can add an interview component because everyone has different perspectives. So here we are today with you, Chase. But before we get into your story and how it plays a role in the whole foundation of my podcast, I always ask this preliminary question because it did start as a personal finance podcast. What is the dumbest purchase that you have ever made? <laughs> what a great question to start off with. Um, <laughs> first of all, I'll say just, you know, podcasts are a podcast. So I love hearing that how you started off is sort of kind of not really how you are right now, even in just 50 episodes. It, I mean, we're still going to be talking a lot about what I think you originally launched with, but that's just the beauty of this, man. The more you do, the more reps you put in, you find your voice literally, and right. uh, you just get more specific and, and curate this platform, man. So that's really cool to hear. The dumbest purchase I've ever made. Wow, man. Uh, I've made a few. So let me think really, really specifically. Uh, I'll kind of say what probably what maybe a lot of other people would would describe as dumb and even me just uh, a, a year or so ago, well, like two by now, I, let me rewind actually about four years ago, I was in the mall in Tyson's corner back in Northern Virginia. And I was in Tyson's Galleria, which is the bougie mall. Anybody listening <laughs> in the area, you know, it's, it's super bougie, all the high end designers. And I'm not really a label guy, designer guy. I'm kind of finding some people and brands I like now. I walked in with, with um, some of my family members, my in-laws, to the Louis Vuitton store. I had no idea what I was in store for. Uh, I turned, looked up, and there was this, this bag, this Weekender. It's called the Weekender bag, their duffel bag, mm -hmm. that just literally took my breath away. And the more I began to look at their luggage, especially like their trunk luggage, um, to me, it was just like this pure example of art. I, I would, I would fill this thing up and put it in display in, in my, you know, dream house, maybe one day on all their luggage. It was just, it was art to me. It was pure craftsmanship and it was so beautiful. 
and it was $1,800. And I was like, no way in hell am I going to spend $1,800. The most expensive piece of luggage I had that at that point was like 85 for a duffel bag. Right. And I sat on it for almost three years, like two to three years. And then literally one day as things began to grow in my life and my business, I walked into another Louis Vuitton store in DC and I felt really good, felt very empowered. I was very happy with where I was. And without question, I was like, I'll take the bag. And so <laughs> now for me, I mean, $1,800 for a, a duffel bag to pack three, four days tops worth of clothes, service level, I, I still think is ridiculous. Um, and honestly, even anything more than like a hundred bucks. But uh, to me, every time I see it, it reminds me of how long I waited to make this purchase, how long I mm. thought about it. And what it means to me, it's not just something I put my clothes in, but it's an accomplishment. It's a milestone. Right. Uh, plus, it's just a damn beautiful piece of luggage to look at. So every time <laughs> I look at it, man, I smile and it's just, uh, I love leather work and, and goods and stuff. So it, uh, it always puts a smile on my face. And I think that's priceless. See, I, I don't, I wouldn't label that as a dumb purchase because you waited. If you would have purchased it back then, if you couldn't afford it, then yeah. But I'm all about if you can afford luxurious things and you want them, by all means, get them. You know, you, you deserve them at that point, but it's a dumb purchase that people make where they buy it because someone else has it and they want to look the part and they put it on a credit card and they have no plan to pay that off. Or, you know, like this $1,800 bag and they're like, yeah, I only make $1,500 a month, but you know, in two months I could have it paid off. It's like, okay, let's be realistic here. Right. Yeah. So, and even me at that point to even expand upon my impulsiveness on some purchases, um, (laughs) I actually overpaid for it even at that time. I was an idiot, wasn't thinking. My wife and my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law at that exact moment when I bought my bag were in Paris, like where Louis Vuitton is from. Right. So I bought that bag and I told my wife about it on the phone later and she goes, idiot, like it's so much cheaper here. Not only is it cheaper, (laughs) but then you get a tax deduction or tax refund when you leave the country. So I actually bought it twice. I bought it in the store in DC uh, I sent her, you know, her money, she bought it at the time as well. So I bought the same bag twice and then I felt bad for the guy in DC who sold it, maybe made it a nice commission. Uh, I returned that one to the store because <laughs> long story <laughs> short, that $1,800 bag here in the States, uh, after the tax refund and stuff from Paris only cost me a little bit over 1200, um, oh, which dang. is still a lot of money for a bag, but huge savings. But at yeah. the same time in one day, one purchase, I forked over like three grand. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Think things through. Think things yeah. through for sure. Yeah, I think the impulsiveness is really big. I'm only 23, so impulsiveness, especially around my age, you know, graduating from college and all that, is really a big deal because, you know, when I was in college, I, I served and I bartended and, you know, thankfully my parents paid for my school, they paid for my rent, so all the money I made was just mine. And I, I never made money before, so I'm thinking, oh man, this is my money to spend. Like, I feel good That's about it, spending yeah. it now. And it, it really took putting myself and my wife in this $50,000 in debt hole mm. for me to realize like, Brady, you got to get your shit together. Like, yeah, you can spend all the money in the world and it feels good now, but that hole is just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And until I actually get on a plan and keep myself accountable, nothing's going to change. Right. And I, I say yeah, a lot, like yeah. nothing changes if nothing changes. So that's the biggest thing with me is like, I'm still on my journey and I'm still struggling. Like I'm still making mistakes, but I'm also having a lot of successes. Like me and my wife just paid off like 15 or 16 grand of credit card debt in like five months. Like that was big for us. Wow. Wow. That's huge, man. Congrats. But that was one of the things of like this podcast was I want to empower people to take control of their struggles, regardless of what it is, financial, mental, emotional, whatever, 
because when you put yourself out there, it's, it's amazing the support you get and you don't even know where it's coming from. But I really want to dive into that too, because like I said, this is about struggles and where you're at today with Everford, the podcast, being a coach and whatnot. Like it, you can look at social media and be like, yeah, this guy's successful. He's got a really successful podcast. I think over 300 episodes. And Almost. Uh, yeah, we're about to hit 270. Actually, oh, I was yeah. editing episode 270. So coming up soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. Yeah. Congrats, man. But, but you know, people you. see that from the outside looking in and say, this guy's got it, right? But in my experience talking to other entrepreneurs, just because they look this way now and they are successful doesn't mean that they were successful the entire time leading up to this point. So true. So yeah. I want to dive back into like, you know, day one, like day one of Chase, the entrepreneur. When did you decide I'm going to take life into my own hands and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm make something out of it? Really good question. And I have a very, very distinct moment in time when that hit me, when I I really began to take an idea that was lurking in the back of my head, a a faint possibility and be like, nope, Chase, actually this needs to be your reality pretty soon. Let me preface this by saying I love my job. You know, a little over three years ago, almost three years ago now, I left my job and I have always worked for somebody else and I've worked for myself more or less in the same field, mm-hmm. health, wellness, fitness, you know, personal development. Uh, I went to school for it, undergrad, master's, I'm a certified health coach. And so I was doing this for another organization. And I love this model of, it was a primary care medicine, you know, your doctor's office, but it was a, a premium, a high-end doctor's office and with your membership and stuff this concierge practice came access to people like me and all of our offices at that point all over the U S and you could get exercise physiology, testing, body composition, testing, personal training, weight loss programs, health coaching at its finest. And we would also work hand in hand with your doctor. And so I, I say this, I kind of paint this backstory because that's exactly what I needed and wanted in my own personal health in my own life. And I loved it and I believed in it so much. So for me to, have this realization that I got to walk away from this. It meant a lot and it took a lot of work and it took months and months to really formulate this plan and decide that, no, I'm getting rid of that identity and moving into a new one. I worked my way through that company. Uh, I got promoted. I was actually running their, this whole wellness department at this point in time. And I was sitting across the desk from our CEO and him and I become to know each other pretty well. And I was in his office on good terms, uh, pretty much weekly, you know, a couple times a month, if not anything else, and, and talking about the future of the company, the future of this department, what was working, what wasn't. He was a big believer in the whole wellness approach and preventive medicine. And so we were talking business and things, you know, we're looking promising. And then I actually, we developed this plan, thought we we're all on the same page, multiple conversations with multiple people about this company and how we were going to merge and how I had room to grow. Well, long story short, I came back from my honeymoon. They completely changed the plan, completely changed all the terms and come to find out like this had been kind of their thought process all along. I just was being completely overworked and undervalued. And in my opinion, in my experience, betrayed, um, right. maybe not full blown lied to, but uh, some half truths and uh, some behind door conversations. So before I left, before all this got yanked out from underneath me, he, he sat me down, we we're talking and he just looked at me and he goes, you know, Chase, I love what you're doing. I believe in it here. I think we can do a lot of good work together. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And, and we we're talking about my growth in the company. 
and maybe he could tell I was getting very excited, a little, maybe a little too ambitious, who knows? Um, but he's like, you know, I really think maybe in, you know, another 15, 20 years, uh, you know, it could be you on the side of the desk. You could be the CEO. And I took that as you're telling me we have to wait to make these changes to help our patients, to help our clients, to help this company um, for the personal growth 20 years. I kind of just felt rude. <laughs> and right. it just, and at that moment in time, looking back, I can say now that it was, he was saying this and kind of getting me to like, Hey, pause here a little bit because he had already had his mind made up. You know, the rest of the company already had their mind made up and they were just waiting for me to go enjoy my honeymoon. Uh, so as not to <laughs> have me disgruntled before, which I guess I can appreciate. And, uh, yeah. So when he told me that I was like, no, like this can't wait the change that I'm talking about. These, these programs, this, this philosophy, this way of helping people, it can't wait and helping other people and helping myself. It can't wait. It, it's, it's worth too much to wait 20 years right. just to achieve a title. And so when he said that, I, I kind of walked out and I was like, all right, I got to start creating my exit strategy. And um, about you know four or five months later, I did. I dropped my 30 days notice and uh, I left the company that same year. So how did that feel? I mean, I know it was probably a bittersweet because you loved working there, but at the same time, their long-term goals weren't really in align with yours for the company. So when you did turn in your 30-day yeah. notice and thought, you know, I'm going to make the impact that I want to make on my own, how did that feel? I'm sure if you ask this question of people who have done the same thing, I, I bet we'll all say the same thing. It's the most terrifying yet liberating yeah. and exciting thing at the same time. Because in the same moment, in the same instant, you are giving up one identity and finally taking ownership of another, the one that you truly, truly want, but you just haven't given yourself permission for that version to come out or even to work on that version. So at the same time, and it's funny, actually, my replacement, they had hired my replacement, he was in training, and uh, I officially, I gave the new me my formal notice that I was leaving. I had been talking it over with my superiors saying, hey, if we go down this route, I'm not going to be here. Long story short, uh, if, if you decide to go this way, I'm not going with you. And so they began to recruit and they found this guy. And uh, it's weird working alongside the person who's going to take your place. And then, so <laughs> I told the new me, uh, here's my official 30-day notice. And it was uh, at first, it was like that big frog in your throat. You're like, am yeah. I going to say it? Am I going to say it? Am I going to shake it out? Because I'm giving up benefits. I'm giving up a regular paycheck. I'm yep. giving up a lot. And I had just got married at the time. And this didn't really go over super well with my wife at the time either, <laughs> which is a whole other story, but it was terrifying, yet one of the biggest breaths of fresh air that I had in, in years. This is going to go into an interesting segue because you are married and you did take that leap and I'm married too. I just got married back in May, so about seven, eight months ago, but being married and taking that leap, you said it didn't go over well. And I know some of my audience is kind of around that age where they might be thinking about marriage. How does that go down? Because I know everyone's relationship with entrepreneurship and their wife is different, right? You know, some people are, yeah. I'm going to work until 3 a.m. I don't care what my wife's doing. I just want to grind and I want to make this business flourish. And then I talk, I interviewed an individual, Andy Dane Carter, mm -hmm. and he leaves work every day at 3 p.m. and spends the rest of the day and night with his wife and kid. I'm like two different, completely sides of the spectrum. So what's been yeah. your experience with that, taking that leap and doing your own thing and also balancing a marriage at the same time? 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like your other guest uh, really for that person comes down to fulfillment. Look, if I could have had and kept that same fulfillment in that job, I who knows might still be there. It, it truly did give me a lot of happiness, right? And that's what I love doing. I, I just needed to keep going with it. So her and I had had this conversation. At this point, even though I had gotten promoted, I had at this point already started my podcast because it was something that really gave me a lot of fulfillment. Again, it made me better at my job. I not only w- was listening to these conversations from other people on other shows and showing up to work a better coach, a better trainer, a better person that I could then help that in- pass that information on to my patients, pass it on to my team. So then when I started my podcast, yeah, it was a hustle. It was a, it was a, a side hustle for sure. It was not monetized for almost a year. It was just a passion project um, to kind of quench my own thirst for more knowledge and like I said, to get better in the health space. And I had sort of kind of began to dabble with one-on-one coaching on my own, helping people like in my apartment gym and very small handful of people online coaching. And so the extra hours were already there. The extra work was already there, but the significance and the intention was not because I didn't need to have significance. I didn't need to have intention. Right. By intention, I mean revenue. I mean money. I mean actually mm-hmm. coming up with something an ROI. So her and I had kind of talked about it and I'd been unhappy at this job for honestly like the last year. And I just kept waiting, kept working, kept hoping that things would kind of smooth themselves out. And so we came up with this, this agreement. Okay, it's really not going this way that we think it is. So let's you know really get intentional with everything else you're doing with your side coaching business, with the podcast. Let's monetize it. Let's expand you know, your online clientele. Let's duplicate your revenue. We agreed on six months. And if you could, we can do that, then hey, then we know that you can have a smooth transition. And she was on board for it. Well, about two months, <laughs> two months into that six-month agreement, I, that's when I dropped the 30 days notice with this company. Right. So literally half the agreement time, by the time I wound up leaving, half the agreement time. And the day that I told them, I was sitting on the couch with my wife, you know, catching up on the day. How are you? Say, like, oh, yeah. So I gave my 30-day notice. And it didn't go over well. It, we had multiple heated, heated debates about it. But honestly, just a couple. Um, she very quickly was just, she, ha- she accepted the fact and she's a very realistic person, my wife mm-hmm. and I. And while she was like, hey, this isn't what we talk about. And I admitted to that. Um, I was like, I have to go in. Like the, literally the time is now, I'm being pulled in this direction so hard. I'm, there's right. no, nothing pushing me. And so she, you know, she was frustrated with me, of course, because uh, I didn't do what I said, but that just lit a, a new fire up my ass to work even harder. I've already matched my goal. I had already matched my revenue and was living. I told myself, Chase, whatever you do on the side, you have to live off that. You have to pay, you know, your car, your rent, you know, living, all this stuff. And DC ain't cheap. And so I, I did that after a little bit like two months. And so I could have been just getting greedy, getting excited, but I was like, cool. If I can do this after two months, boom, I did it again the third month. I'm going to be good. Didn't go over as we had planned in terms of the timeline, but it still right. happened how we talked about. She eventually was like, all right, cool. Well, then just don't <laughs> yeah. talk to me. Get to work. Yeah. <laughs> you, got money, you got money to make. You got a business to start. I think that's huge too. You know, said it lit a fire under your ass because, you know, it kind of comes back to, you know, the determination, that inspiration, which, you know, inevitably goes back to your why. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? And it seems like your wife is a big part of that. 
and you know, so. creating yeah. a future for, I don't know if you want kids or not, but creating a future for your family oh, yeah. that is sustainable because I, I think, you know, this started about financial freedom too, but you can't really have financial freedom without time freedom and location freedom too. That's yeah, the ultimate goal, much. right? But it's like, how do you, how do you get all three and encompass all three under one roof? It's tough. And when you have that why and you're fixated on creating that life for you and your future family that you just dreamed of and you just heard about, I mean, it's, it's insane what you're capable of. If you put yourself in a specific yeah. niche and you're just like, I'm going all out. It's just, when you it's run insane. the boats and you decide that you're, you're putting down roots here, wherever that is, mm -hmm. you have no other option. I mean, it's, it's the human nature in us. It's the survivability, this yeah. innate desire to survive um, that is really, you don't know until you know, you don't exactly. know what you're truly capable of until literally your back is against the wall until you have no money coming in and you have to really figure out what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it, when you're going to do it. More importantly, how much for sure. Exactly. And Damon John has a book called power of broke where he talks mm -hmm. about that exact thing. You know, when people's backs are up against the wall, I think he has an example about, a. Uh, Gigi's cupcakes, the person who created it, where she had $13 in her bank account and then created this cupcake empire because she had no other way to go. Yeah. They're actually, um, is it Gigi's cupcakes? I think, I think they're about to open up a new one, like a block down the street from where I live here in LA. Yeah. I mean, um, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> cupcakes. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Probably not the best for fitness and health, but it is. Well. Hey, you gotta live a little. You know? Yeah, exactly. So let's take a little, uh, a little detour here. So talking about, you know, your journey going from, you know, day one, chase the entrepreneur to today, what has been your biggest struggle? You know, whether that's financial, you know, emotional stress, mental, mental stress, emotional stress, stress in every way, shape or form quadrupled, if, you know, if not tenfold, <laughs> I mean, that's just the honest truth, but it's a different kind of stress. I remember being so stressed out about my last job, and it, it, and it was that it was like oh it was this negative yeah. connotation it was this hesitation it was this friction it was stress just just like there's stress in life and then you go in the gym and you do things that causes a stress reaction on your body what's called u stress e u s t r e s s well it you it's still stress it's still an inflammation it's still a a grind it's still a process but yet it yields positive results right and the stress like I said is through the roof. But it also, it runs parallel, runs neck and neck. It's this constant race of stress and fulfillment, stress and fulfillment, stress and fulfillment. And so, yeah, the stress is there. It's real. It's always present. But you learn real quick to get comfortable with it. You learn how to manage it. You learn how to understand your own stress because you realize I'm inflicting this on myself. Exactly. It's no more my boss, my coworker, <laughs> we're entrepreneurs, self-employed. We're crazy, crazy people. I went to this conference recently and Sal Stefano from Mind Pump said this and I, it stuck with me so hard. Entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 plus hours a week so that they yep. don't have to work 40. For somebody else. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's always there. It's even more so, but it's much more fulfilling. And you know that the cause and the end for your stress is all you. It takes the blame away from other people uh, and it just, it's constant growth, constant growth, constant personal growth, professional growth. So it's there for sure. 
Um, that, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, for sure. Cause I, I think stress is a big part of it because I mean, you know, I always come back to social media because you know, I'm a new entrepreneur, quote unquote, I just started back in August, but I just had this picture painted in my head that, you know, being an entrepreneur was just perfect. It was everything you ever wanted and everything just came right to you. Right. What art gallery were you looking at? Dude, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I I think it is glamorized all over the world. It is. It really is. And, And I think about it today because like, I still get stressed. I mean, I'm sure you do too. And I'm like, man, you know, like I said, I'm posting a podcast episode every single day. And it stresses me out too, because I'm like, I, I have these deadlines I'm trying to hit, specific times everything's got to come out. And then I realize I'm like, I did this to myself. Like, why <laughs> am I getting pissed off with the stress I have? Like, I did this. I started this, right? W- with the stress too, would you say that you were more stressed at the beginning of the journey or today? Honestly, I would say today. And okay. it's funny timing, actually, literally today when we're talking. I'm less than 24 hours away from a big launch, my first ever product launch. And I've never done anything like this before. I've always just been in the exchange of time for money. You know, I give you my time, I give you my coaching, my expertise, my consulting, I give a podcast episode, and then the person or the sponsor, the client gives me money. And so for the first time ever, I've spent hours, weeks, months creating this, this product, this online podcasting academy. And I have to do everything on the back end. You know, I, I'm working with right. my business coach and he's been a huge help, you know, in terms of building the funnels and the landing pages and the email sequences and all this new stuff. So the stress for me, I'd say it's more stressful now because in the beginning, I think I'd say that it's not here today, but it's much more excitement in the beginning because yep. everything is unknown. And in the unknown, there is infinite curiosity, infinite wonder. And I still believe that to be true today, but now it's like, the more you kind of know something, the the less maybe curious you are about it because right. it becomes knowledge versus curiosity. It becomes knowledge versus wonder. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but yeah, definitely in the beginning, it was just like, cool, let me see what can happen. Let me see what can happen. Let me see what can happen. And a lot of things can happen. And then over time, you figure out what works, what doesn't, and you learn a lot more about what doesn't and what doesn't. Uh, <laughs> and you know, then here I am today. Um, I'm freaking out <laughs> on the inside. Uh, it's because it you're putting something out into the world that you hope people receive. And, right. um, and then also like, you know, if it bombs, all right, cool. I go back to the drawing board kind of thing. But um, yeah, definitely more so today for sure. But, but not to say that I haven't been there before. Oh, and I was going to actually answer this in your last question. This is another huge part of my journey that I'll say to anybody um, listening to pay attention to. And it sounds like you already kind of did in a way we're talking about how you start off with an idea and over time as you put in those reps and you flex that muscle and mm-hmm. curiosity becomes more knowledge, you get more specific in what you want, you get more specific in how you do it, you get more specific in what you want your end result, your goal to be. And now a couple of years into working for myself, you know, like I said, I started off health coach chase. The podcast right. was there. I had just begun to monetize it and I loved it, but the coaching was was my bread and butter. I launched this whole health coaching tracker app. Um, it's, I grew to a team of nine total other coaches who worked with me. And over time, like that passion and fulfillment began to kind of just, just go away a little bit more, a little bit more, became more Mm -hmm. of a stress than a fulfilling thing. And I realized that, and then that began to suffer a lot. I'll never forget. Actually, this is funny talking about that, that duffel bag, that Louis Vuitton bag. The first month that we moved from D.C. to Southern California, 
was the lowest I'd ever been in my entrepreneurial journey. And if it were not for being in a position where we were staying at a family home, so I didn't have rent, I sold my car back in DC several months ago because I never drove anymore. So we just kept the one car, my wife's car, paid off, all good to go. If it were not for not having to pay for rent, pay for a car, uh, we, I was really, really struggling. Uh, I was, if I had to at that moment for about the first two months there, I would not have been able to pay rent. I would not have been able to make the car payment. I, I would not have been able to do a lot of things, certain meals. I mean, I, it, was, it was really bad. And I, long story short, it was this huge hole in my business that I wasn't paying attention to because the interest just wasn't really there for me. And so when you're not excited about something, you don't show up for it the same way anymore. And that's right. how problems start. And that's how problems go from a small one problem to hell, you could have a severed chain in your entire system. And that's what it was for me. And so once I figured that out, and, and then I made the shift from just like the one-on-one health coaching to, you know, mentoring and coaching other people wanting to get started in the business shifts from you know, a little bit more into like the B2B side of things. Um, they literally blew up overnight. I, I plugged this hole in my boat. <laughs> that was my sinking business. And I had, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of these applications to work with me for this new program that I launched that I thought was a, a bust because I launched it and there were crickets, but I just realized I didn't have this one teeny tiny little notification turned on that was so fulfilling and so rewarding. And in that time, because I wasn't sure what I was going to do, I literally, like I said, I didn't have to pay rent. I didn't have to make a car payment, but I had no money to live off of. I needed money for food. My wife had quit her job a couple months ago. She was back in school. She's a full-time student, not, not working. I actually put up for sale that Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> I, I, I posted it in just a local Facebook group. And I was like, well, if nothing else, I can sell this and maybe make you know a couple grand. Luckily, these things hold their value if not go up. Right. And uh, I had a guy offer me, I think it was like $1,600 for which again, remember, I got the one from France. So I was going to be making a couple hundred bucks. Right. And my wife and I were just talking about like, what are we going to do? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, do we need to get another job or something? I told her what I did. And she, um, I'm going to start crying now. She she started crying. She was so sad for me because she knew how much I loved that bag and how long I waited for it, how hard I worked for it. And she like, forbid me, flat out forbid me. She goes, no, take it down. Tell that guy, no, like we are not going to, to do that. And again, just another version of, you know, burn the boats, like don't have a safety net and just get creative and get to work. And so, yeah, I did. I told the guys like, no, I'm sorry. It's not for sale anymore. And I plugged that hole in my business and made this huge shift into the B2B kind of coaching stuff. And that's when just out of thin air, not out of thin air, I've been putting in the reps for two years. A lot of new sponsorship opportunities came down um, the pipeline for the podcast and just growth, 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 personally and professionally. Um, But it, it took hitting that rock bottom. Uh, and almost even giving up something that meant so much to me for me to realize that you got to make a pivot. And just because things aren't going your way, doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means there's a hole you need to plug somewhere um, and, you know, adjust fire and move on. Wow. That's a, that's, that's really powerful, man. You don't see a lot of people nowadays wanting to share stories like that because you, you accept that you were at a point that low. Yeah. And I think I would argue we just met, but I would argue that's probably a big driving point for you now is you think back to that time when you were literally at rock bottom and you thought there's nowhere else to go, but up from here, I have to go up. And I mean, 
it, it kind of creates another barrier of stress when you are married. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to, you want to provide and like, as the men of the household, like I want to provide for my wife. And if I feel like I can't, then I feel like a failure. And especially at that time, it was just one income. I mean, it definitely would have been a softer blow if she was still working, but we had just, we literally sold so many things that we had cleansed our life from our apartment back in DC. And all we did was pack up what we could fit in our car and our dog drove across country. And uh, we both were starting new. I was the only breadwinner at the time. I was the only one making any money. And and that turned into no money (laughs) pretty quickly. (laughs) But I I think that's just a commendable thing. You know, like this whole podcast, like I said, is about struggles and the successful entrepreneurs that went through struggles. And like you are a testament that when you're at your rock bottom, just keep going. It, It works out because look today, I mean, your podcast, the coaching, you know, you got sponsorships, all this other stuff that two years ago you couldn't even see. I, I just think this is what I want people to hear are these stories because I'm sure there's other entrepreneurs out there if they do listen that are thinking like, man, this shit sucks. I just need to go back and live a normal life. I mean, like I have a full-time job and yeah. I haven't monetized my podcast yet. I'm not in a position to do that yet. But like it, it, if I were to tell you that I haven't thought about this isn't worth it because I thought this was going to instantly be a success, I'd be lying. But you know, I'm yeah. still making an income through my full-time job, but talking to people like you and other people I've interviewed keeps me inspired to know that not everybody's journey just happens like that. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I love to hear that you're doing that because I did the same thing for two years. I was working full-time, the podcast, um, you know, we inflict all of these new deadlines and things on ourselves. And I think in the beginning, you don't really maybe know why. You just know that you, you love it. Right. And when you pay attention to something that you love, that loves you back, that provides fulfillment, at the end of the day, even if you don't know what the end result will be or the goal is, if you're doing something out of love and fulfillment, it can't not yield positive results in your life. It can't not exactly. bear fruit in a positive way. And especially this day and age, like a podcast or like you know, anything in the content form, it's really only a matter of time before it can be monetized and that can kind of show you, Oh wow, maybe there's something here. Maybe, you know, maybe I can pivot and do my own thing. Um, but like I said, man, I, I loved my job, you know, over time that went away. Um, but I mean, there's absolutely also nothing wrong with just staying the track, you know, in the corporate life, as long as that exactly. love and fulfillment is also there. That's it. That's awesome. Exactly. That's happiness. Exactly. And I was telling my parents this the other night, because I was telling them, you know, I have a desk job. I have a finance degree. I'm a financial analyst at Vanderbilt in Nashville. And I was like, I just don't want a desk job. I was like, that's just not for me. And my mom was like, cause you want to work on your podcast. I was like, well, yeah. She's like, well, would you be sitting at a desk? I was like, well, yeah. She's like, so <laughs> it's, it's not my you desk, wanna... mom. It's, yeah, my desk. <laughs> it's my desk. But she was like, she was like, it's not that you don't want to send it a desk. It's that you're not fulfilled at what you're doing. You're not happy at what you're doing. And I was like, you're exactly right. And I feel like everyone is called to serve a bigger purpose. Of course, it's up to each individual person to figure that out. But when you are on the path to serving that bigger purpose, nothing can come against the fulfillment you feel. It's insane, regardless of what it is. And like, there's things that like, I feel like I want to do now that would fulfill me that six months ago, I'd be like, that's stupid. I'm not going that route. And it's just like you said, taking those pivots and not even that, I think your subconscious also pivots 
with all the information mm-hmm. that's being fed to you. And it's like telling you, no, this is going to interest you. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. It's, it's a wild ride. You don't know what you don't know. Like exactly. we were saying earlier, when, when I had that moment of, I got to get out of here, <laughs> I'm not waiting 20 years. Again, it's, it's this wide, wide world, an unknown world of potential, of fulfillment, of, of growth, of success, of relationships, of money, of travel, of, of life. And, yeah. um, and it, it's so addictive and it's so just like, I want more, I want more. What can I contribute to make this life even better? So the stress is real f- for damn sure now. And uh, now you just kind of get a little bit more strategic on things. Like I yeah. said, it's been about three years now doing my own thing. And I finally maybe feel like I got some traction. And so now you can hopefully hold down the front, the front line, hold down the fort in some ways, and uh, then really see how you can level up with what you've currently been building. Yeah. Um, but curiosity, I don't think ever really fully goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the knowledge base definitely grows. And it just takes a little bit of that understanding of the two and getting real with it in your own business. Yeah, I think that the further along you are on your journey to your expectations for where you want to take, you know, whatever venture you're in, just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And, you know, I was listening to um, the Logan Paul podcast. I know some people have different opinions of him, but his podcast is pretty good. Yeah. And he talks about like the content he pushes out. He's like, there's a lot of stuff that I create that I think is really, really good. But I have to understand of like, what's my mission? And does that align with what my mission is? And if it doesn't, you got to nix it. So just like people have these businesses and they have these expectations of where they want their business to go, although that's where you feel like it should go, doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way for it to go. Oh, absolutely. It takes experience being able to say to yourself, I got to nix this. I got to get it out of my head and I got to focus on my vision. Oh yeah, I can give you a great example. Um, I, so I kind of like dabbled in, in YouTube. I was doing, you know, vlogs and my audience a lot. I did a lot of military videos from my time in the army. I did a lot of like men's style, you know, grooming review, things like that. And I began to film a lot of my podcast interviews. And the more and more I put that up on my channel, and it killed my YouTube channel. Like really? gro- no new subscribers really. Views went from in the thousands and thousands and thousands to maybe a couple hundred, maybe on these videos. And I would spend a lot of time in 2019. I I worked, you know, I got a videographer that works with me on my media team and like really high quality. Great. I mean, big names, big people, really fulfilling conversations. I would put it out crickets and my views went down. And by YouTube definition, I was failing. And that's why, you know, I put a huge kind of halt on that. We're still recording for the full length stuff and we're going to revamp some new projects. But yeah, I mean, I love this. I love this conversation. We recorded it. We built it out with the intention of sharing. But if I do, it actually isn't really helping me that much right. um, by, by YouTube standards. Now, I will say I'm a believer you got to get the message out. If, if what mm. you have is, is that big, get it out wherever you can. Because even though I went from thousands of views, tens of thousands of views sometimes to a couple hundred, that's still a couple hundred people that are hearing that message. Right. And don't get it twisted. You know, even out of those couple hundred, out of a couple episodes, they found the podcast, they found me and like two of them turned into clients for myself. Yeah. Um, so people don't really understand a lot of how the back end works. So if you look at a video on YouTube, you see, Oh, you only got 200 views where six months ago you got 20,000 views. Wow. You're a failure. Well, actually 
that one video yielded me thousands of dollars. So yeah. um, you just have to understand the definition of success on these various platforms. But yeah. also, like you said, pay attention to what's working and what's not um, so that you're optimizing every aspect, every platform of your business. And I think, you know, with putting yourself on YouTube, it's kind of like the Grant Cardone style where he said, yeah. I don't, I don't care how many views, how many likes, I'm just putting my face in front of every single person I can. And like, it's true. Like that's how I found him was all these ads on Facebook and Instagram and Ty Lopez too. I'm he's like, everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. They're everywhere. And Gary V I'm like, these guys are literally yeah. paying probably millions of dollars a month in ad spend. I don't know, but they believe in their message and they think just like you said, if it's that important of a message, by whatever means, just put it out there because the right people yeah. are going to see it. And just like you posting these YouTube videos and you've got, you know, a couple hundred views, you might be changing those couple hundred people's lives, but you don't know. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To, to be successful, um, you just have to know what success means to you, how exactly. do you define it. Um, and all it takes is one, all it takes is one of those listens, one of those downloads, one of those views, one of those likes to turn into something that will give you fulfillment, that will maybe become a client that will, share the message with somebody else who will mm -hmm. give you fulfillment, will become a client. Um, definitely a big, big lesson I've learned is that you never know what's going to happen. Right. Which is why, like I was saying earlier, if you continue to show up in your content and your job and in your life and your relationships out of fulfillment and out of giving and out of joy and that positive stress that you stress, I have yet to ever see a negative ROI on that. Yeah. And I, and I think too, you know, being really aware of coupling that mentality with, you know, in my business is what's fulfilling me actually, you know, producing more revenue. And if it's not, then you might have to nix it. But I think it's just being aware of what's going on in your business and your personal life and your finances. And then you're going to put yourself on the right track. If I had to give a piece of advice, if you were asking me for advice, I'd say, just be aware of what's going on in your life. Know what's working, what's not working and just feel fulfillment. And you're doing pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, man. And I, to kind of just sum up that point, I really think that fulfillment, if people are asking, well, how do I know if I'm fulfilled? Trust me, you'll know. You'll, you'll, yeah. That fulfillment reservoir, that fulfillment tank in your life, you know exactly when it's full, you know when it's low, you know when it's overflowing. It is the thing that I've found that the biofeedback component I've found to be the most spot on and that mm -hmm. I, I can never, it never lies to me. Right. Um, anytime there's any hesitation about anything, you know, that's, that's something creeping into fulfillment when I can't not put this piece of work out, when I can't stop working on this thing, when, you know, when it, when it just pours out of you fulfillment, yeah, yeah. it'll let you know. I a hundred percent agree with that, man. So we're going to get wrapping up cause I know you got a big launch coming. So you need to go ahead and get prepared for that. Yeah. Thanks. I'm probably <laughs> just going to be OCD about it for a few more hours. Yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> but we talked about a lot in this episode. So to sum it all up, what would be an actionable piece of advice that someone could literally take today? Buy an expensive piece of luggage that will be an asset in a time in your life later on when you need to be liquid. <laughs> I'm on Craigslist right now looking at it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, seriously, I, I will say just in everything you do, in everything you create, in everything you say, in everything that you purchase, if you can have that sense of awareness of leading with fulfillment, having fulfillment be that driving force behind your decision-making process, then you can't go wrong because let's look here. That bag gave me fulfillment. I spent time waiting for when I, when I could earn it, when I could uh, afford it and mm -hmm. when I could really truly appreciate it. And 
when I was about to give that up, I knew that it was just a bag is a bag is a bag. Right. They never stopped making them. I can go buy them. Uh, you might lose a little bit of money, but being at that point in my life around that same bag that gave me fulfillment showed me where I was not fulfilled in my business, showed me where I was letting fulfillment not lead. And the same thing that gave me that high brought me down to that low, showed me where I could go high again. You know, the same, the peaks and valleys in life, the peaks and valleys in your business, it's all along the same mountain trail. So yep. there's no need to get so discouraged, but just in all things, if you can just really try to let your lens be fulfillment, let that lead your decision-making process, then like I said, I have yet to be uh, led astray on that. Yeah, that's really powerful stuff, man. And I think anyone listening out there, I mean, definitely take this advice because Chase has been through the ringer. So he knows what he's talking about with stuff like this. But where can my audience find you on social media and find your podcast? Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, so I hang out the most on Instagram. I'm at Chase underscore tuning. That's C-H-E-W-N-I-N-G, Chase underscore tuning. And then the show, the podcast is Ever Forward Radio. We are now three episodes a week and we're everywhere, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, other platforms I don't even know about. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Ever Forward Radio is my baby and uh, definitely hit me up on Instagram. We'd love to connect. I'll link his stuff in the description, guys. So hit him up on Instagram. Let him know what you thought of the episode. Listen to his podcast. Leave a review. Leave a rating. And Chase, appreciate your time, man. Thank you. It was an honor. Thanks for listening. I'm posting episodes every day in January at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.